Today's episode of A New Beginning is brought to you by Harvest Partners, helping people everywhere know God. Learn more at harvest.org. And while you're there, browse our library of free ebooks designed to help you grow in your faith. If God really loved me, why did he let this happen? When we're waiting for God's deliverance, it can be devastating. Well, today, Pastor Greg Laurie offers hope. It's hard to see through eyes that are filled with tears. But know this, his delays are not necessarily his denials because Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, he makes all things beautiful in his time. So a no today might turn into a yes tomorrow. This is the day when the lost are found. tend to be impatient by nature, and technology has made it worse. We can't wait a week to receive a letter anymore. Send a fax? No, nobody does that either. Too slow. Send an email. Better yet, a text. And make sure you abbreviate every word you can, LOL. Today on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie points out we need to have the opposite mindset in our relationship with God. We need to wait on God's timing and trust that His timing is divinely perfect. All right, well, let's grab our Bibles and turn to John chapter 11. And the title of my message is When God Seems Late. Uh, My grandchildren have some rabbits, two in particular, Fuzzy and Cotton. And they've had many litters. In fact, they just had another. And that makes around, I don't know, 80 bunnies that have come from this couple. And uh, so fuzzy and cotton. Well, sadly, the other day, uh, my granddaughter, Allie, came in crying because fuzzy died. And, uh, you know, this is heartbreaking for a little child. And so I tried to, you know, put the best perspective on it I could. I said, well, fuzzy lived a long life and left us many bunnies. Uh, And, you know, of course, we all wonder, well, what happens to our animals? Will we see them in the afterlife? And... I said, well, you know, we don't know. Uh, But one day the Bible tells us that we're going to have super cool pets. That's what I said to her. It's true for you too. But super cool pets. Because the Bible says that the lamb will be with a lion and a little child will lead them. So how about a pet lion? How does that sound? That's the only time I think cats will be a good idea, by the way. Um, But, uh, and then I said, who knows? Maybe we'll see our pets again. The Bible doesn't tell us. Holly thinks we're going to have super cool new pets and see our old pets. We'll find out later. But uh, one of the things that Ali said after Fuzzy died was, it isn't fair. And I think she sort of uh, tapped into something there that we feel about a lot of things in life. Well, that just isn't fair. I mean, we all assume we're, well, going to live long lives. And, and it just seems like an aberration that death would come and change everything. And really, it's true. It isn't fair. It isn't good. Death is harsh and mean, and it rips people away that we love. But we live in a generation now where we don't want to think about death. In fact, in days gone by, they embraced death more than we do today. 
And by embracing it, I mean they would talk about it and accept it and understand that death is, in a way, a part of life. And uh, they would write over legal documents and sometimes over financial documents the words memento mori. Memento mori. It means think of death. Not in a morbid way, but in a realistic way. As in, all this money you have in the account right now, you ain't taking it with you, buddy. You're gonna leave it behind one day. So think of death, keep perspective. But nowadays, we don't wanna think about death at all. We won't even use the word death. When someone dies, we'll say, well, they passed on. Or we might use a technical term like expired. Uh, the undertaker now is the mortician. The coffin is a casket. The graveyard is a memorial park. But all those words don't change the harshness and the reality of death. So know this, death is not a friend. Death is the enemy. In 1 Corinthians uh, 15, 26 says, the last enemy to be destroyed is death. It takes people away in the prime of life. It cuts lives short. We even have names for those who have lost loved ones. If you lose your husband, you're a widow. If you lose your wife, you're a widower. If you lose your parents, you're an orphan. If you lose your child, they don't even have a name for that. Isn't that interesting? You ever notice that? There's no name for a person who's lost a child. Maybe because it's so horrific, there's just no name that describes the pain that it can bring. Well, I want you to know something. God never intended for people to die. His original plan for us uh, in the Garden of Eden was to live forever. But our first parents, Adam and Eve, ate of the forbidden fruit and sin spread like a plague across humanity and death came with it. So this is the result of sin. Well now we see a story before us here in John 11 of death. It's a story of Mary, Martha, and their brother Lazarus who died. They were devastated by this unexpected tragedy. They were effectively saying, as we'll see in a moment, it's not fair because they were a tight-knit family and one that happened to be very close to Jesus. In fact, Christ himself frequented in this home often. There was something about the home of Mary and Martha that made them feel comfortable. And I think it was probably Martha's cooking. Uh, I have no doubt that she was a great chef and the food was fantastic and Jesus would show up with 12 of his buddies and crash there uh, to use 60's vernacular, and Martha always welcomed them. There was probably something always on the stove in Martha's home, and uh, Jesus felt welcomed and loved there, and spent a lot of time there. And they could legitimately say that Jesus was their personal friend. So when their brother Lazarus, who was also a friend of our Lord, got very sick, they just sent word to Christ, figuring he'd take care of it straight away. That brings us to our text. John 11 verse one. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed uh, the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sisters sent word to him saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. We'll stop there. So what do we learn from this story? Here's a few points if you're taking notes. Number one, Life is filled with pain and sorrow and the death of loved ones. You're thinking right now, this is like the most depressing message I've ever heard. Sorry, it's reality. 
Again, I want to bring that point home. Life is filled with pain and sorrow and the death of loved ones. That's not all life is. <laughs> life is also filled with joy and happiness and, and the birth of new loved ones. But yet it is also true that life is filled with pain and sorrow and the death of loved ones. And we're shocked sometimes when it happens to us. We think it's going to happen, sure, to someone that we read about in the paper. Someone's name is going to show up in that obituary column, but certainly not anyone we know. Someone may die that you met once, but you never expected to come knocking on your door. And when it does, you may ask, why me? Why you? It's going to happen to all of us. First Peter 4.12 says, Beloved, don't think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though something strange were happening to you. You know, when you're younger, this is strange. It's unusual. When you're older, you get more used to it. And in fact, sometimes when you get quite a bit older, you might come to a point where you have more friends in heaven than you have on earth. And if that's the case, time to get new friends and pick some younger ones this time. But this is the reality of life. This is what happens to all of us. We know grandparents are gonna die. We know parents will die. We don't expect children to die. But that happens, of course, as well. Tragically, spouses die. Friends die. And those things remind us of our own mortality. Which brings me to point number two. God loves us. I know that's a strange point to make in the middle of all of this. I've told you that death and sorrow are part of life. And then I just told you God loved you, but it's actually a very important part of this story. I don't want you to rush over it. I want you to let it sink into your heart and your mind. Because whatever he allows to happen in your life is either motivated by his love or it is allowed by his love. Understand this, whatever happens to you is either done by God or it's allowed by God. As my friend Randy Alcorn says, it's father filter. Nothing can happen that has not either been permitted by God or actually orchestrated by God. Take all of the calamities that befell young Joseph. Man, you talk about setbacks. Falsely accused of rape, uh, sold by his brothers uh, to slave traders. As one thing after another happened to him, but through all the twists and turns of his life, God intervened and elevated him to a position of prominence where he ended up as the second most powerful man on the planet over the food uh, supply of Egypt and one day was reconnected with his brothers who sold him and he could have had them executed, but instead he forgave them. But he made this amazing statement, you did not do this to me, but God. I find that interesting. He actually said, God did this. And he went, wait, what do you mean God did this? Well, God allowed these events in his life. So understand whatever comes your way, God loves you and he's watching out for you. In just a moment, we'll see what Jesus did upon hearing that a good friend was very sick. It may surprise you. Pastor Greg will have the details in just a moment. It's such a blessing to hear that Pastor Greg's messages are touching lives. Pastor Greg, I grew up going to church but stopped when I turned 18, mainly rebelling against my mom who always forced me to go. I'm 52 now and I'm back going to church after all these years. I attend with my very religious girlfriend and have done so for the past year. I've also been doing a lot of reading and talking to people and listening to different things. 
and one of them was your radio program, A New Beginning. As you were talking, Pastor Greg, you gave a prayer and asked if anyone would like to follow Christ and have their sins forgiven. Well, it felt like the right thing to do, and I prayed the prayer to follow Christ. Thank you, Pastor Greg. If you have a story to share, why not call us and give us all the details? Here's the number, 1-866-871-1144. It's a special number for this purpose, 866-871-1144. Well, Pastor Greg's study today is based in John chapter 11. It's a message deep with meaning called, When God Seems Late. Here we are, Mary and Martha. Their brother Lazarus is sick, and he gets sicker. Then he even gets sicker. And so they figure it's time to call out to Jesus. And uh, they just assume that when he heard the news, he would come rushing back. So verse three says, they said, Lord, the one that you love is sick. Isn't that interesting? The one that you love is sick. So what did they do that serves as an example to us? Here it is, if you're writing things down. They showed that when you are sick, or you are in need, you should call on the Lord, but don't necessarily tell him what he's supposed to do. I think sometimes at prayer we feel we have to give God directives. All right, Lord, so here's what you're gonna do, and here's when you're gonna do it. Well, no, you don't need to do that. But you do need to pray and bring these things before the Lord. So when you're in need, take it to the Lord. When the Israelites are criticizing and turning against Moses, we read in Exodus 15, 25, he cried to the Lord. Are you being criticized right now? Are people turning against you right now? Have you been betrayed by a friend or a loved one or a business partner? Cry out to the Lord. When John the Baptist was beheaded, we read that his disciples went and told Jesus. Matthew 14, 12. I love that. They just went and told Jesus. An unspeakable tragedy happened and they told the Lord about it. Uh, and that's what we're supposed to do. When Hezekiah received a threatening letter, he spread it out before the Lord. Did someone threaten you on social media maybe? A bully of some kind? They call them cyber bullies now. Or someone's come up to you and threatened you. Or written you a letter or you received a letter from an attorney. Maybe it's a threat of lawsuit or an actual lawsuit. Hezekiah spread it out before the Lord. But notice the basis of their appeal. It says, Lord, the one that you love is sick. They didn't say, hey, Lord, we've hooked you up with so many meals. You owe us big time. All those times you showed up without warning. No, nothing like that. They said, Lord, the one that you love is sick. I find it even interesting that they did not say, Lord, the one that loves you, but rather the one that you love. I think that's great. You know, I don't think we should ever boast of our love for God. Sometimes I'll hear people say, I love the Lord so much. I love you. I love him more than anybody else. Now don't boast of your love for God because your love runs hot and cold. But God's love for you is consistent. God's love for you is never fickle. God's love for you always runs hot. That's why the apostle John did not refer to himself as the disciple who loved Jesus, but rather he referred to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. And by the way, that was not a boast of some kind. That was just an acknowledgement that, hey, you know what? I know that Jesus loved me. So they said, Lord, the one that you love, your buddy Lazarus, is sick and 
the time to act would be pretty much now. But Jesus would do his work in his way, in his timing. Look at verse four. When Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not to death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now look at this. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Therefore when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Wait, what? When Jesus heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place that he was. By the way, the word that is used here to describe the love that Jesus had for them is the Greek word agape. The Greeks have a bunch of words for love. It's a much more expansive language than English. We have one word for love basically, which is love. We'll use it for everything from I love Mexican food to I love my dog and I love my wife and I love the beach. Well, I hope you don't love your wife the same way you love your dog. Some of you are saying, yeah, I love my dog more actually. <laughs> I hope not. But uh, the Greeks have different words for love. So one word that the Greeks use for love is eros, which is erotic, uh, sexual love, physical attraction. Then they have phileo. We get our English word Philadelphia from it. It means brother love. The love of a man for a man, a woman for a woman. It's just brother love, family type love. And then there is agape, which is the word that is used more than any other in the New Testament for love. And that's the word that is used here. Jesus had agape love for them. Sort of an all-consuming, sacrificial, no matter what love. You would have thought that this verse would have said, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus and found the fastest horse and ran full speed or he just appeared there. You know, Jesus didn't even need to use the fastest horse. He could have just been there. You know, beam me up, Father. <laughs> I mean, he would have appeared. After all, he appeared in a room when the doors were shut. But Jesus didn't go there. He actually delayed his arrival. Why? Because he loved them. Wait. If he really loved Lazarus, why didn't he immediately go and heal him? And in the same way, when hardship, tragedy, or even death come in our lives, we might ask the same. If God really loved me, why did he let this happen? It's hard to see through eyes that are filled with tears. But know this, his delays are not necessarily his denials. Let me say that again. His delays are not necessarily his denials because Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, he makes all things beautiful in his time. So a no today might turn into a yes tomorrow. So here's what you're gonna have to trust God. Because when you live a little bit, you'll look back in your life and you'll start saying, Lord, thank you for not answering that prayer. I was praying in the affirmative because Lord, that was a really stupid prayer. And the Lord would say, yes, I know. And that's why I didn't say yes, because I love you too much. I didn't give you what you wanted because it would have hurt you. And I had a better plan for you. So Jesus loved them. He loved them with a supernatural agape love. So here's now what is happening. They're looking at the small picture. He's looking at the big picture. They're looking at the temporal. He's looking at the eternal. They're looking at the physical. He's looking at the supernatural. So he's thinking of something far larger than all of this. They want a healing 
Jesus wants a resurrection. That's very important. Did you know sometimes the reason God does not answer your prayer and the way you want Him to answer it is because He has a bigger thing in store for you that's better than what you could have ever dreamed. That's why it's always a good idea to say, Father, not my will, but yours be done. Because he's able to do exceedingly above and beyond that which we could ask or think, Ephesians 3.20 reminds us. So, Mary and Martha, they're probably bragging to their friends, you know, Jesus, we're, we're like this, we're so tight. He'll be here any moment. He'll come walking down that road like he always does. And Martha will hook him up with a great meal. He'll heal Lazarus and we'll have a great time. And they waited and they waited and they waited. Now Lazarus is sicker and sicker. Now he's died. Now it's been one day. Now it's been two days. Now it's been three days. Now it's been four days and still no Jesus. And one day here comes Jesus headed toward Bethany. So not only has he not healed his close friend, he even missed the funeral. So in their estimation, Jesus had failed. Jesus was late. Well, as you can tell, the best part of the story is yet to come. Pastor Greg Laurie is presenting the story of Lazarus from John chapter 11 and his message called, When God Seems Late. And there's more to come. And then we want to share a listener comment we received. It says, Pastor Greg, I wanted to thank you for today's sermon. It really spoke to me. I read a comment by a person I consider a friend mocking the faith in those who follow Jesus. I was hurt and wanted to reply, but instead prayed for them and gave it to God. Then I heard your message, and you said, All that live a godly life will be harassed and persecuted for the faith. That means you are on the right track with God. I wept listening to your words, because it was the reassurance I needed to stay strong in my faith. Thank you for continuing to preach the word. Well, we're so blessed that God is using these daily studies to impact people's lives, to give them encouragement and an anchor. And if you've partnered with us to help make these programs possible, thank you for being used by God. And Pastor Greg, we appreciate that listener partnership. Yes. And we have some unique ways to say thank you, don't we? That's right. And you know who you are out there that support us. And thank you so much. And God bless you. I wish I could walk up to you and shake your hand and have a few moments with you. And I do run into people all the time, Dave, wherever I go that listen to our radio broadcast. It's a part of their daily routine, and we're thankful for that. Uh, but thank all of you for that. And hey, I'd like to have a few more of you become a partner with us, because I know a lot of you make a new beginning a part of your daily life, or you listen to the podcast, or you tell others to listen to it. Well, thank you for doing that. And by ordering these great resources we offer, and we don't offer junk resources, people. I think you know that. If we're going to send you something, it's going to be something you want to have in your library. And whatever you send will be used to continue this ministry called A New Beginning as we teach the Word of God and proclaim the gospel all around the world. Yeah, that's right. So we hope you'll make an investment today. And we want to say thank you tangibly. Go to harvest.org and get the details on the book called Don't Give the Enemy a Seat at Your Table. The subtitle is It's Time to Win the Battle of Your Mind. 
Louis Giglio digs deep into Psalm 23 to show us how to take back the control of our thoughts and emotions. We'll send this resource your way to thank you for your donation. Go to harvest.org and get all the details. Or call us at 1-800-821-3300. Reach us anytime 24-7 at 1-800-821-3300. Are you receiving Pastor Greg's daily devotions each day via email? If not, let's take care of that right now. You can sign up today free of charge at harvest.org. And you'll receive a daily inspirational thought from God's Word each day in your inbox. Again, go to harvest.org. Well, next time, Pastor Greg has good counsel for the times of crisis and suffering in our lives. More insight from his series called simply Life. Join us here on A New Beginning with pastor and Bible teacher Greg Laurie. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to A New Beginning. This is a podcast made possible by Harvest Partners. So for more content that can help you know God and equip you to make Him known to others or to learn more about how you can become a Harvest Partner, just go to harvest.org.